0: Morning. We looked at Isaiah 53, Um, and if I can ask you a question during the in the book of Acts, we see somebody else looking at Isaiah 53. Any guesses? Come on, we just read the passage. That's right, the Ethiopian eunuch. Let's turn to the eighth chapter of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8. And what we'll see here this morning is the record of a really unexpected encounter that radically changes one man's life. I don't know if you have had this one encounter that just topples your life. But this morning, we are going to see such an encounter. During the last two Sundays, we heard about Stephen. And now we come to another deacon or another chosen deacon from Acts chapter 6 named Philip. Not Philip the Apostle, but Philip the deacon from the 6th chapter who was a non-Israeli Jew who was brought to Christ along with many, many thousands of others in the early church. And he was one of those noblemen just like Stephen, who were chosen to provide service to the church. He was not chosen to be a preacher. He was not chosen to be a miracle worker. He was chosen to be a deacon to provide service to the church. And we see that, similar to Stephen, Philip took God at his word. He believed God. He yielded himself to God, which is seen in how he lived his life God had given him in obedience to God. So we summarize Philip's character by saying that Philip was a godly man, a spirit-filled man, a powerful preacher, and the Lord even did miracles through him. And so this morning, we are going to see Philip's encounter with the Ethiopian eunuch, starting in chapter 8, verse 26. But before we get into that, Let's just get up to speed with what's happening as context and what's happening as the setting of this passage. In the last many weeks we have been following the growth of the early church from its inception to its early developing years and we see that the tempo of the Holy Spirit the speed of the Holy Spirit in its work in his work is speeding up and it's starting to push over boundaries now. And we can safely assume that what started with 120 people who were essentially Jerusalem Jews, now included many thousand non-Israeli Jews who were part of the early church. And in chapter 8, verse 1, we have reached the point of Stephen being stoned to death for the sake of the gospel. And if you look at chapter 8, verse 1, and we're going to read that, We'll just read that portion quickly. Chapter uh, 8, verse 1 to 7, because that is the context which will lead us to verse 26. And Saul approved of his execution, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. So if you look, if we summarize verse 1 to 7, we see that the persecution begins with Saul, who we will know later as Apostle Paul, who is in full agreement, who is in full approval of the stoning, with the stoning of Stephen. And on that day, a great persecution, a bloodbath began within the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria, but everywhere they went, and when they were scattered, they went preaching the word. And then we move on to verse 26, which is the passage for today. And here, this Philip, who was preaching in Samaria, is now about to encounter an Ethiopian eunuch. And this is a great day for the Church of Jesus Christ because this is the first time the Church expands into what we would call the uttermost part of the earth. And this journey starts on a desert road. And as we read the story, I want us to look at three phases of this encounter. And it will reveal it to us in this passage. There is the the preparation in this encounter that which is already in place even before the encounter begins, there is the presentation, how it is that Philip addresses this individual, and then there is the response. There is the preparation that is necessary, there is the presentation which is necessary, and then there is the appropriate response. And as we look at these three phases, we are going to see that these phases are actually phases that are part of any gospel encounter. Let's look at the preparation, first of all, in verse 26 through 29. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join the chariot. Now what we have read in these three verses is enough to let us know that this is a very well planned and designed and prepared encounter. And the one who's preparing this is none other than the Holy Spirit. So that is our starting point. The proper preparation for salvation, for true salvation, begins with the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit. It starts with divine preparation. It starts with God's Spirit preparing the heart for God's working. Because salvation is God's work. It's not man's work, isn't it? It's God's work. And it is initiated by God it is a reflection of his will because Romans says there is no man, no man who seeks after God. The natural man is dead in sin, ignorant, alienated from the life of God. He's hopeless, he's helpless, he's indifferent, he's disinterested to the things of God. But what happens is by the purpose of God and by the power of God, the glorious light of the gospel begins to shine into this darkness and it shatters the blindness of the unbeliever. And this is, at the very outset, the most important fact regarding salvation, that it has to be initiated by God. And we saw this earlier, through a powerful demonstration in Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus was the ruler of the Jews. And yet, Jesus tells him, you must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. You must be born of from above. And when he asks, how does that happen? Jesus gives an answer, which is, the Spirit does what he wants, when he wants, to whom he wants, the way he wants, just like the wind. You don't know where it's coming from, you don't know where it's going, and you have no control over it. So that's the first point for us this morning. Salvation is first of all a sovereign work of God. God is the one that chooses, God is the one who calls, God is the one who activates the human heart. And we don't help the Holy Spirit in this. We don't help God with this part. Now, we know this is happening here because an angel of the Lord speaks to Philip and tells him to go directly to this individual who is the court office, official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, for the sake of sharing the gospel with this eunuch. And in here, And here in this case, we have an example. We have an illustration. But if you think about it, In most cases in our lives, we have no idea that something like this is going on. We don't know that God has told this angel or we don't know God has told that person. We don't see that happening in our life. But in this case, it is recorded for us that this was all the preparation of the Holy Spirit. And now on this occasion, the Holy Spirit used an angelic messenger and the orders are very specific. Get up go south to the road that descends from from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So the Spirit commands Philip to go onto that road. And as he goes, he's instructed that he is to be obedient. And so he goes. Verse 27, it says, he got up and went. And there was providentially an Ethiopian eunuch who had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he's on the way back, coming back from Jerusalem upon this very familiar road. And this is the divine encounter that is prepared by the Holy Spirit. Now, when we think about Philip, Philip didn't know that. He only knew that he had to be obedient, he only knew that he needed to get to that road. And God would determine his purpose. So, an important point for us to note in this is that this obedience would not have been easy for him. I'll tell you why. Philip was not sitting at home just waiting for God. God, please help me what to do. Philip was actively preaching in Samaria. And if you remember that chapter 8 and the first seven verses, it says that people were waiting to listen to his voice. And while he's doing that, he's asked to take a detour or not even a detour. He's asked to halt and go to the desert. To do what? to do something that he doesn't even know at the moment. One key thing that comes out of here is that God was truly ordering his steps. And what we learn from this is that when we act in obedience, God initiates. When we act in obedience, God initiates. One of the other pertinent things that we see here is that what is going on with Philip ultimately has nothing to do with Philip. It has all to do with the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, you know, many a times we think that all that is going on in our life only meets the purpose of our life. And with this illustration, we see that that is not always the case how God works. So it is evident here that God had already chosen this Ethiopian eunuch. God had ordained him. God had written his name down in the book of life before the foundation of the world and that the conversion of this eunuch was in, was in the plan and the purpose of God from eternity past. As is true for anyone and everyone who is saved here. I want you to take a moment to think about that. If you are truly saved, you there is a providential work that has happened in your life. There is a divine encounter that has happened in your life. The salvation of this single sinner was the very clear purpose of God for Philip's trip, reminding us that salvation of even a single sinner is worthy of the attention of God, is worthy of the sending of the angels, is worthy of the action of the Holy Spirit. So we always need to remember, whenever a sinner is converted, we conclude that God chose that sinner that God formed a plan and a purpose and brought about that sinner's salvation. And salvation doesn't happen to anyone unless they hear the truth concerning Jesus Christ. And then we move to the obedience of this servant, Philip. All God had to tell him was go. Verse 27 says, Philip got up and went. That's enough. Philip got up and went. Even though it didn't fully appear to be sensible or even logical. And he could have made an argument that there are more important things to do over here because there are multitudes of people hearing the gospel. He still decided to obey. And of course, he ran into the Ethiopian eunuch who was coming back from Jerusalem. And if you want to see how eager Philip was to do what he had been called to do, check out verse 29. The Spirit said to Philip, go up and join the chariot. Verse 30, what did he do? What did he do? He ran. There's no hesitancy, there's no reluctance. And brothers and sisters, this is the boldness that we have been seeing through the book of Acts until now. If there is one key theme across the book of Acts that you will see in the church, it is boldness. And now we come to the individual who is the eunuch. We saw how beautifully God was orchestrating and drawing him to Philip for this gospel encounter. But there's not going to be any real salvation taking place unless the sinner is searching for it. You can't give the gospel to people who aren't interested in it. Please look at, uh, please notice in verse 28 what this Ethiopian eunuch is reading. He's reading the word of God through the prophet Isaiah. Now, this eunuch is not an ordinary, just another ordinary eunuch. This man is responsible for the treasury. This man is the CFO of Ethiopia. This man is the finance minister of Ethiopia. He's a respected, he's a trusted, and he's an honored individual. And he's come to Jerusalem to worship. Now, Mind you, this is really long distance. Some scholars say that it would range between 500 kilometers to 1,500 kilometers. And just imagine being carried a 1,000 miles or a 1,000 kilometers all the way to Jerusalem and back. What does this traveling of this long distance mean? What does it show us? It shows us that he had a searching heart. Something's going on in this individual because of which he's coming. He's coming to Jerusalem to worship. He had it in somewhere in his heart to, to know the God of Israel. And he had come all the way to Jerusalem to worship the true God. And so here we have another pertinent point. An essential component in true salvation is genuine hunger for the truth. Yes, that hunger will come only if the if the Holy Spirit draws you, but there is a need for that gen, the genuine hunger for the truth. That is a prerequisite, a desire for the truth, a longing for the truth. If you remember, that's also a beatitude. Blessed is a man who hungers and thirsts after righteousness, for he will be filled. God meets the heart that has been prompted to hunger and thirst in Uh, hunger and thirst, in seeking him. Salvation comes to those who hunger for it. And this man sought for salvation. So let's do a quick recap. What, 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 What all do we see until now? We see the sovereign work of the Spirit. We see the obedience of the servant, who will be God's instrument now. And we see the searching of the sinner. And now it all culminates to the word of God. And at this point, it's time for the word of God, which is going to put all the pieces together. It all comes down to this one thing, the truth. And he's reading the prophet Isaiah. He's not reading anywhere in prophet Isaiah. There are 66 chapters in the book. And he happens to be reading according to verse 32. He's reading chapter 53 of Isaiah. The same passage we read this morning. And this is one of the most pivotal chapters in the whole book of Isaiah. In fact, some some people also say Isaiah 53 can be called the first gospel since we see this chapter to have one of the most comprehensive and beautiful presentations of the gospel across the whole Testament. And this eunuch, by some means, picked up the scroll for Isaiah 53. Now, one thing you need to remember is during those times, you only had a scroll if you were really invested in buying it because it was very expensive to get a scroll at that time. It's not like one of the free Bibles we deliver, we give today. It was really hard to have a scroll during those times. But for the eunuch, he considered it worth it to invest in such a scroll in order to get to know his God better. And then He starts reading it aloud, which was the traditional way you read during those times. And he's reading Isaiah 53. And so you can see the Holy Spirit working and preparing the servant Philip. You can see the Holy Spirit working and preparing the seeking heart of the sinner. And then you see the working and preparing of the Holy Spirit that this eunuch gets even to the right passage that he needs to understand That day. And so, with that, we conclude on the preparation, but we move to the presentation now. Look at verse 30. Philip ran up, heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, Well, how could I? Unless someone guides me. And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. Now, the passage of scripture which he was reading was this, he was led as a sheep to slaughter and as a lamb before its shearers is silent so he doesn't open his mouth in humiliation his judgment was taken away who will relate his generation for his life is removed from the earth and the eunuch answered Philip and said please tell me of whom does the prophet say this of himself or of someone else Then Philip opened his mouth and listen to this carefully. Philip opened his mouth and beginning from what? Beginning from the scripture, he preached Jesus to him. He didn't preach Jesus based on his own experience of Jesus. He didn't preach from some second hand knowledge that he had of Jesus, but he used scripture to preach and explain to the eunuch. When the eunuch says, I need somebody to explain this, What do we understand? What do we see here? We see an eagerness. We see humility. We see meekness. We see a teachable heart. When you are sharing the gospel, and if there is no interest in the scripture, if there is no interest in the divine solution to the hungry heart, it might be better than, for you to wait for another day. The passage he was reading, verses 32 and 33, was that great passage out of Isaiah 53, which describes the substitutionary atonement of Christ as he was led as a sacrificial lamb of God to slaughter. Silent, humiliated, not a fair trial, his life was removed from the earth. And he's reading this, trying to figure out who is this about? Or oh, what is this about? The Holy Spirit had led him to this passage. The Holy Spirit had prepared his heart for an explanation of that passage. And the eunuch just couldn't understand it. He says, tell me in verse 34, who is, talking, who is he talking about? Himself? Is he talking about Isaiah? Who is this about? He was reading about the suffering servant. He was reading about the Messiah. And honestly, he, he couldn't go to a better place than Isaiah 53. Since none of the Gospels had been written yet, that really was one of the best passages to go to understand the biography of Jesus. And Philip was ready. He preached, starting at that particular scripture. He didn't say, oh, sorry, that I'm not really Old Testament, I'm not really familiar with. He said, Can you come to John 3.16, I'll explain that to you. He started with that scripture. And he preached Jesus to him. Now this is another important point for us to remember. If you and I are going to present the gospel, we should drive the unbeliever to scripture. But here's the corollary. Here's the other aspect. Once we get them to the scripture, we've got to be able to explain it. We've got to be able to explain it. And this puts the responsibility on us to understand scripture for ourselves first and then explain it well so that it can be understood. Peter in 1 Peter in 1 Peter 3 puts it this way. Always be ready to give to every man an answer for the reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. Wherever the question of the unbeliever begins, start where they are and get them to Jesus. It just so happened that Isaiah 53 is such a great place, such a good place to start. So we remember that first we get them to scripture and secondly, we get them to the Savior. Philip even went to the extent of talking about baptism or teaching about baptism. How do we know that? Look at verse 36. As they went along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, water. What prevents me from being baptized? Now, why is this significant? This is significant because baptism outwardly signifies a union with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. True baptism is an outward badge that says, I belong to Jesus. So we saw the presentation there, and now we come to the response. In verse 36, it says, okay, I'm ready. Look, water. What a joyous discovery, right? Why is it a joyous discovery? Because they are in a desert. You don't find water in a desert. But the Lord providentially had even provided water for baptism. What, what demonstrates this eunuch's immediate impulsive response? What demonstrated it is faith and obedience. He's ready. He said, look, water, I want to be baptized. I want to be obedient. Nothing is hindering him. Nothing. In fact, he asked, what prevents me? Is there anything that prevents me? Go to verse 38. So he ordered the chariot to stop. It stopped. And they both went down into the water. Philip as well as the eunuch and he baptized them. Sorry, he baptized him. This is the first official baptism of somebody from the uttermost part of the earth. Now remember, we are only in the 8th chapter of the book of Acts and the gospel has gone by the power of the Spirit to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. And so here We see obedience and we see faith. And isn't that the proof of genuine belief in Jesus? Obedience and faith. And lastly, we see, when they come out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. I don't know if it struck you, but what's going on here? It's a miracle. You can read about this miracle in happening to Elijah. You can read about it in Ezekiel, but it's a very rare thing. All of a sudden, the Lord snatched Philip away and he's disappeared and he's gone. And Philip found himself at a place named Azotus. Now, I was thinking, I'm sure the eunuch is scratching his head and thinking, this is surely a validation that I had an encounter with God and Philip found himself at Azotis, and he passed through and kept preaching the message, the gospel, to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. The Lord relocated him in a miraculous way, which is really an astonishing reality happening here. And that's the encounter that we have for us this morning. So to summarize what should our what should this encounter mean to us what should our response be If you are not a disciple of Jesus yet if you are not a believer yet say if you have been if you are a visitor at CBF this morning or if you are somebody who hangs out in the single study but is not a believer yet or if you are a couple or a CBF attendee who is not a true believer yet let me remind you let me tell you that there are no barriers anymore you can have a change of mind regarding your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ alone. Because his sinless life, his sacrificial death on the cross for your sin, his burial and victorious resurrection over sin, over, the de- over death and over the grave, that is sufficient to satisfy God's righteous judgment regarding your sin. So that you can place your faith In Jesus. See the eunuch couldn't become a Jew. Because of societal barriers. There was no way he could do that. He could be that. But he could become a Christian. Because of Jesus sacrifice on the cross. For his sins. Let me ask you. Are you interested in the Bible? If so. That's a good thing. Because most of the people in the world. Are not interested in the Bible. God has started a work in you just like this eunuch, and when you understand the truth of the good news, of the gospel, of what Jesus Christ has done for you, will you believe it? And will you put your faith in Jesus for all your life? If you are a believer, if you are a born-again disciple of Jesus Christ, remember, God is doing his good work, which is life-changing all around us whether we see it or admit it. So do you believe that God ordains your steps? Are you walking by the Spirit and sensitive to God's prompting? Do you know your Bible well? And are you prepared to give an answer to present the gospel when the opportunity arises? May the Lord fill us with his spirit. May he fill us with compassion. May he fill us with the gospel. And may he use us for his glory. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, blessed be your name, the name that is higher than all the names in the world. We thank you for this this beautiful encounter that reminds us of our gospel story. The story that tells us that we didn't believe in Jesus just because we had an intention to. But we thank you that you sought us and then you bought us and you made us your own. I pray, Father, that in this church, There are believers and unbelievers. And I pray that you will search all of our hearts. You will find the evil in us. And you will lead us to have a mind that is in Christ Jesus. You will make us repent and you will make us believe. And I pray that your word that we read this morning would train us, would correct us, would rebuke us would use us for all things that we need for our equipping in Christ Jesus. Go before us this week. And I pray that as we learn from Philip, we will learn from our great Messiah, who is our the model, who is the one we will keep our eyes on until we see you, until we be with Christ. And until that day, we pray that you will remind us from your word and we will learn. I pray that we will never be adamant. We will hunger and thirst for righteousness. Thank you for hearing us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.